Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. Got a lot to talk about, guys. Uh, Tyke Smith transferring to Georgia. Announced that last night. Georgia locked him in uh, by announcing him as well. Uh, that, one's, uh, that one's a done deal, and the Bulldogs are getting a, uh, a, a highly productive uh, player for, for the past two years for West Virginia. Very familiar with Jamal Adai. Got an assist from DeAndre Swift there from Georgia since uh, Smith is from Pennsylvania, from Philadelphia. And, uh, and, and you know, Swift helped Georgia out a little bit there. We're going to get into kind of what that means for the Bulldogs and, and how big of an addition it is. Uh, we're going to talk about the wide receiver position uh, because, you know, Georgia had a couple more injuries there. But uh, for once, it's good news on the injury front. And uh, maybe some guys who are standing out of that position, and then uh, you know, uh, going to close the show with uh, with a Rusty Mansell special, talking about punters and uh, the addition of a of an Australian uh, oh, punter. Man, that, uh, can we go now? Can we go now? Or is that a teaser? <laughs> that, that, that's a teaser, man. We got to make. If you want to hear about a punter, you got to wait. Okay, you've got to wait on this show. That's prime content that you got to wait for. Uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, Rusty, throwing it to you here real quick on Tyke Smith. Um, you you delivered some of it for our board, but but talk about kind of why you put in a transfer crystal ball for him and why you felt so good about George's op, uh, chances of landing him. Uh, I got to give some credit to also to Brian Doan, our Northeast uh, regional guy up in that area. Talked with him quite a bit a couple times last week. We were comparing notes. Uh, and, and talked to him, and I talked to somebody I have trusted in this one uh, close to this kid. And, you know, for about th- when he first came in for about two or three days, it sounded like this was a Penn State um, Georgia battle. Now, I know that Auburn, I know South Carolina, a few schools he had some Zooms with. He was doing his due diligence with those guys, and uh, he was in heavy contact with Georgia from everything I was hearing. You start hearing those little things uh, about asking, you know, jersey numbers and who you're rooming with and stuff like that, and, and those questions were kind of relayed. I, I talked with a source on that. So I knew at that point I felt pretty good. He was leaning to Georgia, so I felt good I'd put the crystal ball in and was just going to watch it because, like, you know, I wasn't sure it was going to happen that quick, um, you, you know, talking to – some people and talking to Brian Doan a little bit this morning, uh, it seems like this weekend, I guess he got flooded with phone calls. And Georgia obviously was the team 
to beat behind the scenes for him. And I think Georgia answered all the questions for him. You know, that's what he wanted. He wanted a chance to compete for a starting job. He wants to showcase his skill set. He wants to be able to play man, uh, those type of things. Georgia needs, you know, that's a battle at, at star position, probably him and Latavius Perini uh, head-to-head for that job. So, you know, in a chance to play in, in, in a big environment and play for your old, you know, Coach Adai, your old DB coach. So there was a lot of variables working in Georgia's favor. I felt comfortable putting that crystal ball in. Ultimately, you know, last night he not only picked Georgia – uh, but he signed with Georgia, so it's a wrap, and he'll be here at the end of May. And listen, you know, Jake, you're more of the film guy. I know you've watched a lot on this guy, but, I, you know, just the clips I've seen and body type and what they require out of that star position of physicality, you've got to love what you see. And Georgia is putting pieces of the puzzle together to try to make a national championship run, and this, this, this very well couldn't end up being one of those deals where we look back next December as Georgia probably will be in a to play some important games. Uh, we look at this and go, that was a big, that was a big day for Georgia. He reminds me a lot of Maurice Smith and from a body style standpoint and from a, um, from a coverage standpoint, I mean, he averaged, he was targeted 38 times pro football focus, uh, put this out. Um, so credit to them, but, uh, he was targeted 38 times last year and gave up 2.9 yards per reception. Uh, per, per attempt, I'm sorry, 2.9 yards per attempt. So uh, he only gave up 110 yards to to the guy he was locked in on in, in coverage last year, uh, and and that's that's pretty amazing over the course of 10 games. Um, he gave up 15 yards or fewer in uh, I want to say eight of 10 games last year, and and didn't give up any more than 27 yards. Um, I have watched him uh, come on over to Dawes 24-7 here in the next couple days. I'm going to have a film breakdown of him. But um, not only what he does in coverage, but this cat had 8.5 tackles for a loss last year. Um, so he he's absolutely a force near the line of scrimmage. He's kind of a do-it-all player. And that's where I think he's probably ahead of Maurice Smith is in his ability to kind of play the run and be a, be a difference maker and put offense behind the chains. And that's what Georgia needs out of that position. One of the reasons I thought that Tyreek Stevenson was going to be such a good fit there, and I still think he played the position really well last year, but he wasn't as effective as he was the year before as a blitzer. And and that's a big part of what they ask out of that spot. And and, and I think Tyke Smith is a dynamic player uh, near the line of scrimmage. Kip, what are, what are your impressions on Tyke Smith and just his overall impact he can have on this defense and where he fits in? He attacks the football. I, I just think that – for Georgia, you know, that position's kind of been, you know, it, it's been an ongoing discussion just, you know, how did Tyreek Stevenson play at the position? It's it's a really, you know, the, whoever's playing start Georgia is being asked to do a lot. And Tyreek was asked to do a lot for Georgia last year. And, you know, he, he got thrown in there and – perform fairly well but it's it's that one position where you know if, if you do make a mistake it, it shows up you know very easily on film there's just a lot of responsibility involved to that position and I think the one thing that Tyke Smith kind of brings to the table that that maybe you didn't see as much with Tyreek is not just the instincts it's just the 
he plays the game. The game's really slowed down for him. His instincts are outstanding. I just think that he's able to read and react really well, and, and that allows him to look fast on film. He might, might be a guy who can line up and, and cover the slot receiver you know, at, at the NFL level. But I think in college, he's a guy that you can, you can ask to do a lot near the line of scrimmage. You can ask him, you know, again, to find the football, attack the football, uh, you know, covering the slot. He can, he can do a lot of different things for you. And while I have no idea what it, he's going to test at, you know, when it co- comes time for that, I think that for what Georgia wants, uh, I just think it's a perfect fit. And it's a, it takes – a uh, part of the secondary that was a huge question mark with Tyreek Levin and, and really gives you someone you can count on. And that has a huge trickle down effect for the rest of the secondary where you're, again, we're trying to find out what you're going to have at both cornerback positions, but also just depth overall at safety. Now, you know, behind Lewis seen behind Chris Smith, you, you know that you can, you can put more guys there and get them more snaps knowing what you're going to have in Tyke Smith at the star position with him and Latavius Brady there, you now have a group that you can feel comfortable with and, and focus more on and trying to find out what you're going to get the other positions. So I just think, again, it was a perfect fit for Georgia. It's exactly what they needed. Obviously still could use another cornerback in the transfer portal if one becomes available that they like. But as of now, I mean, that's a huge question mark that potentially once he gets on campus is going to be answered for Georgia this offseason. There are a couple points here, and one of them to me is, all right, Tyke Smith does not fit the mold of a typical Georgia defensive back. Now, Georgia's had a couple of smaller, shorter star type guys than Maurice Smith and and uh, Ty, uh, Tyreek McGee, um, but I just kind of imagine it as a scenario where maybe Jamal Adai is kind of on the table for this guy. You know, kind of, hey, listen, this guy's this guy's a football player. He's not six foot, six one, six two, but he is a dynamic football player. And and to me, for Georgia to kind of reach outside of their defensive back mold in terms of guys that they've recruited and go after a guy like this kind of makes me think that they really think highly of him as a football player. Second point is this, and Kip, you kind of touched on it with the cornerback spot. Uh, you know, and I wrote about this. This has a ripple effect on the entire secondary because you, you if you look throughout the entire secondary, and, and I'm not trying to, I'm trying to include everybody, not eliminate anybody here, but I think there are seven guys. You know, you got guys like Keely Ringo and and Jalen Kimber, Nylon Green. Um, you know, uh, Javon Bullard, even Kamari Lasser. Once he arrives. Um, and then you look at safety, David Daniel, um, uh, Major Burns. You got so many first and second year football players there that that are going through their first spring with the team. Even some third year guys do it going through their first spring with the team. It's hard to learn two positions. Okay, Georgia plays this match man cover three shell defense, and it's complicated and it's hard. And so if if you bring in a guy like Smith and you can settle him in at that star position, then you've got you've, the need to kind of get another one of those young guys maybe ready to play that spot becomes a little bit less necessary. And I think that is absolutely huge. And I think that this, Rusty, and, and kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this, I think this kind of allows you to maybe settle in at the cornerback position and have kind of almost – 
almost a sense of, of, you know, comfort there, like a security blanket, knowing that, all right, this guy can come in and play star for you at the high level. You don't necessarily have to pencil in down the line now, um, getting one of these younger players also ready to play at a winning level at star. Maybe, maybe there's one or two guys that you look at, but it's not as big of a deal to cross train somebody at that position. And, and Rusty, to me, that, that to me seems like it could have a very good, very positive effect on the rest of the guys in that group. When you look at a die, the new defensive back coach, is it pronounced Jamile? Is that how it's pronounced, Jake? That's, that's my understanding of it. Yeah. He has a certain coaching philosophy, a certain way of, uh, you know, relating how he coaches day to day. You bring in a guy that not only can help you immediately, he also can help the other guys understand him, his delivery, how he coaches, those type of things. Maybe he has a, you know, a pissed off day like we all do in this world, and, and he goes, look, this guy, you know, he'll bounce back. And it's just a familiarity with this to have somebody like that where you know each other. You know, um, Smith can help in the locker room with other guys. And it's just a win-win for Georgia. And, and, and Kip hit it on the head. That star position, when you play star at Georgia and Alabama in their particular defensive schemes, that is such an invaluable spot. We could talk about Tyreek Stevens. We could talk about Mark Webb, any of those guys, and the plays they, that they could make. And, and Tyreek Stevenson basically, you know, on a heads-up play, uh, you know, made one of the biggest plays of the bowl season tipping that ball away. So, but you look at this and, and it's just a win-win for Georgia. You know, I don't usually hype up too much um, of a transfer because you just don't know how pieces are going to fit. This was a home run to me because of every box that's being checked to help Georgia. You got to have those pieces. You got to have those invaluable pieces. And uh, we looked at the transfer portal. It has changed teams. Now, I'm not saying this is going to change Georgia, but there's certainly a better football team with this young man than without. And I think that's cutting to the chase. Not only that, but Georgia kind of gets what they lost here. And what I mean by that is, you know, Miami picked up Tyreek Stevenson in a non-traditional transfer portal situation. They picked him up. He was a starter and he was a player and everybody knew it. Georgia gets a guy who is not leaving because he's not getting playing time. He's leaving because he was looking for a better opportunity, maybe a different fit. And that I don't think can be, you know, overstated is the fact that they get a guy who who is not looking for somewhere out of necessity. He's looking for somewhere else to go for an opportunity. Georgia has the playing time available, and they, they're able to get a guy who has made a lot of plays and was headed for you know more playing time and, and probably a third straight season as a starter at West Virginia on a good secondary. Now, I know West Virginia didn't play the best competition last year in terms of the pass offenses they played, but they did the best they could, and that was number one in the country in yards per game, number 10 in yards per attempt. And, uh, and Tyke Smith had a lot to do with that. And like I said, we'll be breaking that down over at Dogs 24-7 here in the next couple of days. Let's take a break real quick. And on the other side, we're going to talk about the wide receiver positions, some of the injuries Georgia sustained there lately. And uh, we're going to get to that punter that, that, that Rusty wants to talk about. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, so let's look at this wide receiver position. And, man, I tell you what, Tuesday, one week after George Pickens goes down for the year with an ACL injury, it looked like it looked touch and go there for a minute because it looked like the guy who was supposed to be the heir apparent, the guy that was supposed to step up right behind Pickens and shoulder most of the load, Jermaine Burton, had a serious injury of his own, uh, went down, was in a lot of pain, um, had to be helped off the field. But we find out that it wasn't serious. Then Arian Smith gets hurt in Saturday's scrimmage. Uh, wrist injury. There was some speculation on that. Kirby Smart says it's just a sprain. Rusty, I feel like right now, if you're if you're uh, Cortez Hankton or, or Todd Munkin or, or even Kirby Smart, you feel like you've dodged a bullet at this point, right? That one, you know, we all try to be level-headed as we can with the board and, and reactions and those types of things, but that was one of those, Jake, had that potentially happened to Jermaine Burton. That was a season-changing injury. Uh, Pickens was is the guy. He was the guy. I, I just don't see him playing again at Georgia. Potentially could. So I'm not answering for him. I'm just giving my opinion. Jermaine Burton is the guy they slide out there. And they and and listen, I'm not trying to say he's George Pickens, but Jermaine Burton is a hell of a football player, and he's a really good football player. And I remember seeing him after a game last year, and I could not believe how much bigger he'd gotten since high school. And I think that's the guy they're going to count on to replace Pickens. He's going to get a lot of targets, big body guy outside that can run, change of direction, really, really love his hands. Had they lost Jermaine Burton right now, and if they lose him at any point, it's not good. But the momentum and what's going on to lose two guys back to back like that going into this season, man, I, I just I, I didn't know how we're going to answer. I just know that me and you, Jake, were frantically trying to get information as much as we could and try to figure things out. And once me and you put two and two together, that we felt like it was going to be okay. And again, you know, we didn't say. And I'm not pointing fingers in. We didn't say that it was a seizing ending injury. We just confirmed he was hurt. And all of a sudden, things just spiral, you know, just get crazy on the internet and boards and blogs and things. But uh, we knew for about an hour, you know, that we we had to try to find an answer because that 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 would have been a bad deal. I don't know how to sugarcoat that one. Losing Pickens was a was a major blow to Georgia. Losing Jermaine Burton and George Pickens on back-to-back weeks would have been a, a, a very bad scenario for Georgia uh, entering in the, the second half of spring practice. Yeah, it would have. And, and it's also one of those situations where, 
if George Pickens hadn't been confirmed out for the rest of spring and most of the 2021 season a week prior, then the reactions may be different. There's probably a little more hope that, all right, let's wait and see what happens here. Let's see what, you know, yeah, he hurt his knee in practice, but, you know, it, there's a chance it may not be, you know, as feared, um, you know, that type of thing. Because I remember, you know, a couple years ago, uh, when when Georgia was going into, uh, I believe it was the 2018 season, Georgia was going into the final couple weeks of spring practice, and Mark Webb goes down. And Mark Webb was practice was starting at 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 cornerback. He was one of the starting cornerbacks there in in preseason and spring camp. Eric Stokes hadn't yet emerged, and then you know Tyson Campbell hadn't even arrived yet. And he goes down with an injury. And and it wasn't the whole, this is the end of the world, you know, this is terrible, all that stuff. There, there was more of a wait and see there. And Webb's injury ended up not being that serious. He ended up missing a few weeks. He was back, summer workouts, all that stuff. It still put him behind. Um, but, but Jermaine Burton's played a lot of football at Georgia. And then you got the Arian Smith injury. And, again, it was once again feared that it was the worst, that something huge had happened, that maybe he had broken his wrist. And, you know, Kirby didn't seem like they, they had gotten the x-rays back yet at that point, but said he had sprained it. Um, you know, wrist is obviously a lot better than a knee. So, you know, to me, I, it's just one of those things where, where I think Bulldog Nation needs to, needs to take a, like a deep breath, understand that, yeah, you've had some bad injury luck, but you probably had some good injury luck at this point, too. That uh, that neither Jermaine Burton or Arian Smith are out for the long term. Uh, but Kip, could if if you had if you could have put you know three different wide receivers up there and say, hey, these guys are going to get hurt at some point during spring practice. Those three would probably be the last ones you would want to hear about if you're a Georgia fan, right? Yeah, it, it was you know uh, it was kind of funny just seeing Kirby's uh, remarks on the injuries, kind of talking about sensationalizing you know kind of doing his thing where he he you know defends his players defends the program a little bit you know me versus the media kind of thing I, I thought that was just kind of kind of funny for him to, to this talk about things getting sensationalized because I mean in, in our defense you you knew the wide receiver position was going to have even more eyes on it after George Pickens tearing his ACL. So just having guys get hurt back to back while it's still normal, it's still football, you knew the fan base was basically wanting Cortez, Hankton, and Kirby to cover every receiver in bubble wrap before practice. And and some fans questioning whether they should even be out there practicing, which, you know, it, that goes back to the Kirby side you know, this is spring football. This is what we're supposed to be doing, and injuries are normal. It just – we can't help the fact that we were watching them happen back-to-back-to-back to back to back at, at the same position, and it's a position that everyone's eyes are on this year to see Georgia, you know, in this passing attack with the return of JT Daniels and all of these playmakers that we've talked about ad nauseum on the podcast – you know, on Dogs 24-7, we've talked about, you know, everything shaping up for Georgia's offense to have a big year. And then you're seeing the weapons, you know, seemingly go, going down left and right. But, you know, at the same time, you know, there are some positives from these guys going down. And that's the fact that you're seeing other guys able to emerge this spring. You know, just seeing Justin Robinson have a chance to, you know, step up and, and, and kind of, become a guy that can be counted on to make big plays. And he's a physical blocker. He's got the size, 6'4", 220. 
you know, he has a chance to really, you know, make a big impact this spring and and show JT Daniels and the coaching staff that that he could be looked upon to play a big role in his second season. And then, you know, Adani Mitchell, a guy that seems like he's really making a name for himself in his first year as well, a guy that, you know, kind of fell through the cracks as far as being able to evaluate him in the in the rankings and not being able to play, you know, have a senior season because of his age, 6'4", 190 pounds, a guy that's also getting great feedback. I mean, the the stock for him is up as well. I think this spring it gives them an opportunity to really come in, step in, and, and have big roles. So there are, you know, some positives. When guys go down, you have an opportunity for other guys to step up. And, and I think for those two guys, it, 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 this is a really, really big spring for them. And so increased reps is only going to help them in their development in Georgia's offense. But as you said, Jake, it's not something you wanted to hear, but at least you're hearing it in spring and and not in September and August when Georgia's preparing to play huge football games against, you know, Clemson, Florida and the likes of that this fall. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. You need depth to absorb and to keep on trucking after injuries, but 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 injuries can oftentimes produce depth. And, uh, you know, you, you hit on a Donnie Mitchell, and I wanted to ask Rusty, Rusty, what are you hearing about him? Because we've reported on him, and, and I've, you know, I, I've heard some good things about him. You've heard some good things about him. Can you just tell us what, what, what are those good things that you're kind of hearing about him? <laughs> Well, you look at Terrence Edwards, and everybody saw the tweet from Terrence, and Terrence was at practice one day last week. And Terrence um, had some really good things to say about him. You know, we reported as well early last week. We felt like that was a name that was surprising early. I have not seen him in person. Obviously haven't been to practice. Have never seen this young man in person. But I will tell you this. Every single person – that usually tries to slow play stuff to me about players has basically said, we have stole one in this kid. And, you know, listen, now Cortez Hankton takes some stuff from time to time on our board, but this was a person he zeroed in on and recruited really, really hard and got him regardless of his ranking. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this, there is a ton of positive energy and buzz about this young man in his first two weeks of practice at the University of Georgia in pads. Long way to go. But he, he's definitely doing some impressing. And, and I'm going to tell you, you want to talk about music to your ears if you're a Georgia fan um, that listens to this show and, um, you know, follows them day to day. You understand the depth and concerns and injuries of wide receiver. Nobody, not in, any one of us as well, thought about in late February – that a Donnie Mitchell could be an answer to some of the depth issues at Georgia. And I'm telling you right now, there is a lot of buzz about this young man. A little life advice for Georgia fans out there uh, to borrow from Ryan Rosillo's podcast. But a little life advice here is concerning a Donnie Mitchell, take a wait and see approach. I mean, we're hearing great things about him and, and there's no doubt in my mind that, that we're hearing it from people we trust and, and that there's something to it. Uh, but you know, it's always tough as a freshman. Um, you know, it's always tough to kind of get through and, you know, if he's able to come in and catch 20 balls for 300 yards for George, I think that would be a fantastic freshman season. 
Georgia's got a lot more proven options. But I'll say this. I spoke to somebody yesterday after the scrimmage, and I just I, I asked specifically about Adani Mitchell, and I was told that he checks – he really does check off all the boxes at receiver. He's a, he's a big guy, but he's a good route runner. He's a quick, he's quick. Something we pointed out whenever he committed to Georgia is he's a run after the catch guy. He makes people miss and he also runs really well. I mean, he's not Arian Smith and he's not maybe even a Malcolm Mitchell, but, but I think when you look at his speed, he's not Miko Hardman, uh, but I think when you look at his speed, I think he's probably going to be somewhere between a Miko Hardman and a Javon Wims or a Terry Godwin in that aspect. That he he's he's going to be able to run past defenses and and put some stress on them that way. He's got a lot of tools. And again, we we Kip pointed it out six four or maybe it was Rusty six four one hundred ninety pounds. You know you could probably bank on him getting up to close to two hundred pounds by the time by the start of the twenty twenty one season. Um, you know, he's got to get through the rest of this spring and he's got to get through preseason camp. But if you're looking at this and you, you have an injury that kind of comes out of nowhere that hurts you, the best you can hope for at that point is for a player to kind of come out of nowhere and help you. And, and that potential is there with the Donnie Mitchell. I'm not trying to put high expectations on anybody, but he's impressing and he's doing some good things. And, and I think what Rusty just said speaks volumes is that Georgia – that there are people around the Georgia program that feel like they got a steal in this kid. And and I, one of the things I pointed to whenever he committed to Georgia is Ole Miss was all over him. He was committed to Ole Miss. And Lane Kiffin knows receivers. He's coached some good ones. So sometimes when you can kind of get in there and swipe a guy, who you took him from can kind of give you some information on what kind of player he is. And that may be the case here uh, with Adonis Mitchell. All right, let's jump into this punter news. Rusty, what do you got? Tell us what you know about this kid, other than the fact that he's from uh, down under, loves uh, for Foster's beer, and uh, and and you know eats at Outback Steakhouse all the time. No, I'm sure he don't eat Outback. He got he gets the real thing. Shrimp on the Barbie. Yes, he gets the real thing. I tell you, it couldn't come at a better time. You know, the end of the month. Uh, Georgia was on a roll, and and. When the recruiting and football guides lined up for me, it was it was on that day on the thirty first. And when I told both of y'all they're get when I told Kip they were getting a punter, I thought Kip was literally going to fall out. Uh, I say Kip, so it, Kip sends me a message. I posted on there, but the month may not be over. And Kip sends me a text. They're getting another commitment. And I said, call me. I, it was too good to even type up. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I kind of wanted to call Saul Goodman's vacuum cleaner man and just kind of be like, all right, we need to get Rusty a new identity, get him in the bunker, get him a a new passport, get him the hell out of here. And and look, all I said was, and again, I said the momentum is still rolling and they're not done for the month. And next thing you know, it took a life of its own. But I'll say this about our board. Um, the way they took that and, and they knew how big a moment that was for me. And this young man, you know, was able to reach out to him the night before, get some stories on uh, about him coming to Georgia. So it was great. And I wanted to relay to the board because I knew they were going to be into me and I was fine with it. But I wanted to relay the board. His mom and dad were up at five o'clock in the morning and reading the board. Um, you know, he wanted me to share the story with him and, and stuff like that. So it was good. I thought the board took it well. You know, that was my mulligan. So, you know, it probably be three or four more years where I get that day, but it came off, you know, and, and what I told, I, I told one of y'all, I think I told Kip, I said, if that was the, the night before when we all thought Jermaine Burton could have been potentially bad. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, 
I have hyped a punter. If Jermaine Burton goes down, the 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 board is going to be in shambles. And here I'm going to drop a punter. So you never want anybody hurt, but I was extra glad that Jermaine Burton for sure wasn't hurt. So it, it allowed the board to enjoy all that that day. And um, but that young man, you know, that was his moment. And uh, it was fun for me because I, I've been waiting a long time to to get that one back uh, from the Marshall Long post they, that, that the board just absolutely annihilated me for about 24 hours. And then they just kind of remind me, but it was a good one. Um, you know, and, and here's what people don't understand. This Australian punter situation, it goes through one company over there, Pro Kick, and they go out and they – you know, these kids, they teach them how to punt. They get these kids with strong legs or playing rugby and Australian rules, football, all that stuff. And once they get them properly trained, they, they come back in. It's, it's really, you call them and they'll send you a punter. If you like him, then you offer him. That's the way this works. You're not going to go out and say, let me see five of them they kind of match you up with a school and, you know, Georgia's considered an upper tier school there. So they knew they had an opening. So this young man obviously was highly thought of there. Georgia's highly thought of offer scholarship. You know, you see videos. I remember uh, talking to another sec school that signed one a couple of years ago and I was asking them how it worked, you know? So it's kind of like you order up a, a, a punter over there. And these kids are producing at such a high level that this company, when you t- they tell you they got a guy, they've got a guy. So that's that's the value in that uh, for Georgia to get a scholarship player, to give up a scout, to give up a spot, especially how valuable they are to go get a guy like this. So that's a big deal for Georgia. Uh, but it was thirty first was was definitely that that was me and Mister Thorson. We shared that day. Yeah, and and i th- I figured you know that I-, I figured everybody would kind of take it in stride, but you'd never really know because things had been going so well oh, I know. for Georgia in recruiting that that I just you almost knew that the, the the faithful over at the junkyard felt like, all right, you know here comes another big timer or I think some people were maybe even expecting Tyke Smith to go and then punter um you know, I kind of, I kind of felt like it would go well, but at the same time, like you just, you just never know. And there were a lot of, oh man, come on, you know, like he, Rusty kind of. I mean, listen, this thing came along at the perfect time ultimately because Rusty just, he was able to burn them. He burned them over there oh, and man. and did so in a good way. And that's that's one of the good things about it. If you're not a member over at our site, is is it's kind of a big family. Kip, what was uh what were your thoughts on it whenever uh when Rusty first told you George was getting that punter and that he had hyped it up and and also what you know just just getting a guy of, of this caliber, what do you know about him? First off, once he told me, I had to to get a time <laughs> a timeline. I had to mark out my schedule so that I could all hands on deck for the message board. And, you know, I, I brought my fire extinguisher, you know, I, I called all, all the uh, local services to have them on board in case, you know, I need some help and, and putting out this fire. Cause I, I fully expected just with everyone kind of, you know, uneased with the, with the injuries that, that Rusty's big news. And I watched the board. I mean, they started going through the oh, top man. of the top, the two, four, seven rankings, you know, which five stars is going to be. And I, I've, I've seen this movie before, you know, not, not just with Marshall Long, you know, obviously, uh, 
with with Stetson Bennett a, a couple cycles ago, and, and Georgia telling uh you know everyone that Georgia wasn't done in the cycle, and you know Stetson Bennett the the return uh, of the the chosen one to to the Georgia program there that was that was a big moment on the message board as well. But you know what? That was one of those moments where. I was really impressed with the junkyard. Uh, you, you know, I expected them to just throw down and for, for me to be working all day to put out fires, but they handled it much better than I expected. I have to get credit to to all the members at, at Dogs247. They might not let Rusty get away with the next one. No. They, they let them have this one, and I was really impressed. And it, it was it was interesting. I, you know, I made the profile forum on two four seven. Absolutely zero info on yeah. the internet about this kid. So then I had to you know start start sending out some messages, get some info on him. And you you mentioned Pro Kick, and they obviously have you know have become a huge part of special teams and obviously punting. Just looking at the fact that there are sixty Pro Kick players. In, in Division One football last year. And the fact that they had half of the 10 Ray Guy semifinalists, that kind of stood out to me. And then just looking at one in particular, you know, down at Miami, Lou Headley, being the finalist for the, the, the Ray Guy Award, averaging over 47 yards per punt, that's where you really get that connection to Georgia because Todd Hartley, he had that connection to recruiting Lou Headley, you know, down at Miami. So that's that's kind of where you start connecting the dots. You think, wow, where did you know? We had no idea Georgia was even thinking about an Australian punter. But then you start thinking, well, you have a coach on staff in Coach Hartley who's already recruited a punter who obviously has had an outstanding college career. So you start seeing why Georgia went this route and the fact that they think, you know, that Brett Thorson is a similar talent to Lou Headley. Now it starts to make sense. You know, you, you have Jake Camarda. He's going to be a senior. There's an obvious going to be a need to replace him. So right there you have, you know, all the signs pointing toward why Georgia went this route and, and why there's reason to actually be excited for everyone other than Rusty uh, about this this punter, you know, joining Georgia's class, a class that's ranked number two in the country right now. This is a big addition uh, for, for Georgia, and it's a kid that's really only been punting for about a year now, less than a year, and they, they think that his talent, you know, is comparable to that, you know, to, to a guy like Lou Headley. That means Georgia's got potentially a big pickup. So I, I think it, obviously you, you, need to, you need one of those guys in your program. You're about to lose one. It, it, makes, it makes sense for Georgia to, to replace him in this in this recruiting cycle even though as we said georgia's recruiting at such a, a a great level right now that that every spot i mean the fans on the board are trying to count you know can they take two more cornerbacks you know are they going to take three offensive linemen at this point it looks like they're going to sign 15 defensive linemen every spot counts right now for georgia the cycle but it, it does make sense that they went this route and it, it, even though there's no film on him available you got to trust in Todd Hartley. He knows what he's looking for at that position. And if he thinks he can get a guy similar to who he got at Miami, then, you know, I'll credit to him for finding this guy and, and locking him down. Absolutely. And then, you know, those ties kind of come in uh, real handy there. And and as was has been pointed out multiple times already, I mean, just the the number of uh, of guys that have come over 
from from Australia and have been really really good punters at at this level I think just kind of speaks volumes and Georgia has single has has kind of honed in on one really quickly they've got their guy and and uh you know it, it's it'll be interesting to see when he gets to talk to the media what he's got to say when he talks to the media because you know it'll be a first experience for a lot of us uh, two, uh, listen. Georgia's got two weeks left here in spring pra- in spring practice. They've got two more scrimmages. They'll scrimmage this Saturday and then next Saturday for G Day, which will be televised on SEC Network Plus. And we're going to have all of that covered for you. Kip and Rusty are going to have the recruiting. Rusty, myself, will take care of uh, your team notes. But for today's episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs Twenty Four Seven. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the Tame Place. You guys take it easy. This show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.